Welcome to the Motoring Podcast, your weekly discussion of motoring news. This is episode 447 on Tuesday, the 11th of January, 2022. Hello, I'm Alan. Hello, I'm Andrew. And this week, we're taking a deep breath. We note that Alan's Johnny the Yaris project has been seen and the principle copied by at least one major manufacturer. And we look rather pointedly at 1972. I really have to start start checking what you've written in those. But first, we go into some follow-up. And as I alluded to in the introduction, let's begin. (sighs) Clean air zones. Yay! And I will take the Greater Manchester one, which all of a sudden, Mayor Andy Burnham is saying, whoa, we're having to look at this. We will only introduce this that he campaigned on and is campaigning on and has been shouting a lot that needs to be introduced. More than once, yeah. That they will only do it if it is not going to penalise Greater Manchester people. (laughs) And he has demanded that the government do more to help out those who need help to get on the right track as far as zero emission or lower emission vehicles so that they are not heavily or penalised, how would you put it, in a prohibitive manner. But wait a minute, from memory, now I could be wrong here because I haven't, this one was marked for you and I haven't gone all the way through it to be perfectly honest, but was this not a case where this was really for coaches, vans, buses, taxis, private hire, vehicles and lorries as opposed to the general people of Greater Manchester. Yes. So if you wanted, if one wished to drive in, if one wished to drive as a private person mm-hmm. in a passenger vehicle, yes, a normal car type passenger vehicle, then you would be you'd be okay. You don't have to pay anything. No, for, you for that. you were you are not brought into the scheme as it is hmm. set to be introduced. So. The fees were going to be charged between seven pound fifty and six pound a day, depending uh, sixty pound a day. Sorry, not six pound. Yes, a day. sorry, I was sixty pound a day, depending on which of the vehicles you are driving. As Alan pointed out when he went through the list, there, I think what Andy Burnham is trying to do is show businesses that he is listening to their concerns on the back of the the problems with the pandemic but also on the back of the difficulty in which to get hold of uh, lower emission stroke, zero emission vehicles because Mm -hmm. of the chip shortages. This is true. Which which is a very valid thing. Um, I feel there is a a mix between flexing political muscles and actually people being concerned. This is, Mm -hmm. we have to remember the greater Manchester area that's going to be covered by this is huge. It is really significant. Absolutely massive. To just in inverted commas hit businesses, and um, including private hire self uh, self employed people, all the way through to coaches and lorries, th- mm. this is going to bring in a lot of cash. I would suggest, particularly in the first twelve months or so. Ah, uh, yes, yes, probably. Yep. Yes, I'd say so. It was meant to be introduced on the thirtieth of May. Yeah, we will keep an eye on this. Something needs to be done. Because there is the push, thanks to the courts, that air has to be improved. Manchester has some particularly grotty areas as far as air is concerned as well. And as we reiterate, every time we talk about this, obviously people should be able to live in areas with clean air. Clean air is good. Yeah. But talking of clean air zones, let's go to 
a brand new acronym. Well, it's Oxford County Council and Oxford City Council. So it is, quite frankly, the most incredible polar opposite to Greater Manchester uh, that you could desire in that. Partly because I like Manchester and I can't stand going to Oxford. I was going to say, was it due to the fact that uh, Manchester is at least looking like they're listening to people's grievances? <laughs> well, yes, yes. Uh, Ox Oxford is a bit of a bit of a reputation for the opposite. They now have. They are going to introduce in February 2022 the first phase of their ZEZ. Yay! It's Z easy. It's a zero emission zone. If it's zero emission zone, then Alan, that means mm. that. Anything that isn't a zero-emission vehicle can't go in that area. Is that right? Uh, no, no, no. You can pay to go in. Oh, so, oh, because the name would imply that nothing but, uh, oh, right. That that makes me feel like this just may be a tax then. Probably, yes. It is, in the opposite of the Manchester one, incredibly small to begin with. And <laughs> yes, it covers three that. or four streets <laughs> right in the very, very centre. So, quite frankly why you're bothering is a completely different so it's only people who've got lost <laughs> basically <laughs> managed it's to get past pure the, stealth the the yes who've managed to get past all the checkpoints to get in that far <laughs> and the challenge is that actually having been to that part of oxford you probably are lost if you're down there you probably don't want to be there okay and it's so it's so central that the only person who's ever been there without actually being lost is inspector morse you know <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the kind of level we're talking about. And they are talking about, obviously, including the wider city centre, including some roads which act as sort of slightly ring roads, because, hey, that's an easy one, that, mm. around that very central area. And they're talking about that going later, depending, I assume, depending on how this pilot goes. No dates given for that yet in this motoring research article that I'm, I'm reading. Uh, if you live in the red zone, you'll get a discount until 2025. After that, goodness knows what happened. They probably kicked you out by then. I am seriously unimpressed with the name, and then charging for it. You're, oh, you're either doing it or you're not, and it's it's like with but it's Oxford. It, we are seeing marked differences, aren't we? We're not seeing anywhere in between. We're either seeing councils that seem to have considered this properly, mm -hmm. and are trying to balance between getting clean air and understanding people's problems mainly cash <laughs> and yes. those who've just gone nope clean air is the only thing we're worried about yeah well yes clean air is the only thing they're worried about yes yes there's a very there's the, the the challenge here is something that other people have said before which is just inconsistency absolute inconsistency between all of these there are links in the show notes by the way if you go to motoringpodcast.com and click on this episode uh, on the front page that will help you find out whether your vehicle is it qualifies for the all the appropriate zones really aren't there mm -hmm. and there's also another article from motoring research which helps to explain what are clean air zones because there are four classes of them so this this mm -hmm. helps explain what is in each and what is covered and all the rest of it so you, you've got a better understanding of what's going on it's making the world a little bit simpler yes <laughs> new news then and so we're going to talk about last year now it's the it is of course uh, early in January, so it's the new car registration figures for December last year, and of course it being December, it's the end of the year. He says, stating the bleeding obvious, and so obviously we've got the entirety of 2021 to look at as well. 
Just starting on the whole of 2021, there were 1.65 million new cars registered. That was only up 1% on 2020 and down 28.7% on sort of 2018, 2019. Not a huge change over 2020 overall. And that wasn't all down to COVID, although you could put it down as a root cause, Mm. I suppose. But a lot of it is being supply driven. Mm -hmm. There is demand. There just simply isn't the supply. That's been the theme throughout. 762,103 purely petrol-driven cars were registered, 135,773 diesel. Wow. I know. Just when you think these were pretty much half of... When we started six years ago, diesel was was half. It of, was for a good two, three years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's it's plunged. That's only 8.2% market share now as opposed to 46% for petrol uh, alone. Mild hybrids, which is, uh, you know what we think of mild hybrids, <laughs> to 296,778. That's 18% of the market. And your BEVs, FEVs, and HEVs, which I think you should link together mild hybrids and plug-in hybrids, but never mind, came in at... Uh, 400, uh, sorry, 452,527 registrations, making up 27.5% of the year's registrations. Remember when one of the predictions was this might make 10%? (laughs) Battery electric vehicles in 2021 made up 11.6% of the market share. That's up. 76% 76% on uh, on 2020, where they made up 6.6%. So that's a 5% leap, mm-hmm. he says, doing some simple mathematics. So you could have done yourself. So yeah, 5, 5% leap uh, in, in registration. So remember, yeah, first few years when we were doing predictions, I said, oh, 10%. And that just seemed like a ridiculous number. Yeah. Not anymore. Nope. In December alone, battery electric vehicles, because it was a Tesla month, uh, made up 25.5% of all new car registrations mm-hmm. yeah so that's kind of crazy kind of crazy that was that let's look at uh, and a little bit of a talk about the december numbers and december splits i think we've we've had enough of those uh now so let's look at the best registers mm-hmm. oh should we have a quick look at the year to date and then we'll look at the december top 10 there's a bit of a difference but not much i'll try and skim through it as quickly as possible but yeah uh, prep yourselves, everyone, by taking a drink because the year today, number 10 was the Toyota Yaris. 27,415. These are not big numbers for any single model. No. Uh, it's worth remembering that as we go through some of these. Uh, nine was the Kia Sportage. Eighth was the Ford Puma, the only Ford in the top 10 for the year. Seventh, Nissan Qashqai. Sixth, the Volkswagen Golf. Fifth, the Volkswagen Polo. Only f- about 400, uh, 406 between those two Mm. fourth the mercedes-benz a-class third the mini second the tesla model three and first the voxel corsa voxel corsa forty thousand nine hundred and fourteen registrations that's just that's a little over five thousand more than the tesla model three Really not that much between 2 and 10, and that bit of a jump to to number 1 there. Mm -hmm. Obviously, for December, then uh, number 10 was the Nissan Leaf. Watch out. Yeah, 
Demons and Nissan Leaf. Number nine, Peugeot 2008. Eighth of XC40. Really mixed up month this month. Yeah. Uh, seven, the Vauxhall Mocha. Sixth, the Ford Puma. Fifth, the Nissan Qashqai. Fourth, the Nissan Duke. Third, the Vauxhall Corsa. Second, the Mini. And first was three months worth of Tesla Model 3. Yep. But looking, I know we mock that they deliver once a quarter. Yeah. But still to finish second over the year. Exactly. You have to take your hat exactly. off. Do you doff our caps to Tesla for producing that amount and getting them over here? And having, particularly in the year that it's been, and having the number of people who wish to uh, to buy these cars. So, you know, they they have done well there. Yeah. Well, there's a certain theme, and we'll, we'll look at it a little bit. So if you look at the best sellers in plug-in hybrid and electric vehicles alone for 2021, it's kind of interesting to see for plug-in hybrids, the most popular plug-in hybrid vehicle in the uk 2021 bmw 3 series never mind your fancy ones your 330e is a company car mm. is a big deal similarly the tesla model 3 it's really quite popular with fleets yeah yeah and you know it's almost three times more popular than any other single electric vehicle model mm. and i say that because stuff like the volkswagen 93 sure it came in third and there's not been the same supply as there have been of, of Model 3. But remember, that there's the ID3, the ID4. There's a number of other electric models in the, the Volkswagen range or coming through in the Volkswagen range rather than there just being a single model. Mm. It's like the Audi e-tron, 7,396. Well, there's a few different sizes of e-tron of different models yeah. uh, that, there. So it's worth remembering that model ranges are so wide with so many tiny little niches that manufacturers that have many, many models really miss out when it comes to the sort of the numbers, the volumes of a single model. When you're Tesla, you're essentially only selling the Model 3 here in the UK. There's a couple of Model Ys have come in now, I believe. Yeah. Which, in some ways, will probably hit the Model 3 next year. Yeah. And you'll see that drop down because the Y will go up as well. And it won't be the top seller. It'll be somewhere about the middle, I'm sure. Yeah, probably. Or near the top anyway. But mm. yeah. You get my point. Anyway, I'm laboring an awful lot. I should shut up. No, one thing I wanted to say when we were talking about the when it gets to December and it was the end of the year, what people mm. seem to forget in the coverage I saw was this was the last month for manufacturers to bump up their low emission vehicle percentage when it comes to the percentage across a fleet. Oh, Always have to remember that, everybody. Tesla, it doesn't count, but everybody else because everybody else pays them needed to up their zero emission vehicles. So whilst the plug-in hybrids and the battery electric vehicles did really well, and mm. we wish that to continue, just remember that fact. Yeah, that that's skewed a bit. It is registrations, even though SMMT does talk about bestsellers and registrations and interchanges that. Yes. Yes, it's pretty good, apart from the fact that it still says bestsellers at the top of the top tens. Yeah, and then that gets reported mm. by well, it those who yes, don't know, etc. Lazy people. Um, there's a fair mix of green and red on here. Uh, quite a lot of red and pink, really. Yeah, I'll I'll run quickly through the reds. I'm not going to go into too much Super detail. Fast. But Arbath, Alfa Romeo, Bentley, BMW, Citroen, Ford had a Ford had a really bad month actually. Um, mm. Jaguar, as far as passenger Supply. vehicles goes, 
Yes. Uh, Jaguar, Jeep, Kia, Land Rover, Mercedes-Benz, MG, Peugeot, Seat, Skoda, Suzuki, Vauxhall, Volkswagen, Volvo, and other British all had bad enough months that we are mentioning them. But Alan yes. can cheer us up with some nice green highlighted. <laughs> so <laughs> Alpine, Cupra wins the MG percentage rise, doesn't it? Yep. Dacia up almost 380% on Dacia, that new Sandero and thing, and the new one with the fancy roof rack. Uh, really sort of sort of hitting it out the, the box out, out it the, part the J doesn't it I can't remember where is it the jobber f- jobber jobber something no like <laughs> the jobby right stop now <laughs> I knew that was coming that was inevitable uh, right the uh, where was I yes Fiat, Disha, Fiat Hyundai <laughs> up 41% uh, Maserati Mini Polestar Smart Sangyong Subaru and other imports funnily enough because Tesla don't get split out separately because they're special yeah as you say, congratulations to Cupra, but it must be noted, this is the first month that I can remember MG have had a dip down. Yes. It was yes, going to happen eventually. Down 20%. It was going to happen eventually, but still, there are over 1,000 units. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. MG really, still really quite impressed with that kind of stuff. Yep, absolutely. As you hinted earlier on, there is one other little bit, is that it's all very well, the Corsa being the most registered new car in the uk in 2021 but actually the most registered new vehicle in the uk was the ford transit so uh when they've been having supply issues for the fiesta which is of course one of the reasons why it goes down part supply so it's gone to the puma which is obviously more um more profitable but ford have really been focusing on the the like commercial market yep but apparently i read somewhere that that was the focus anyway before pandemics came along doesn't surprise me with the more and more with of course more and more of us doing online shopping and home shopping and all these kind of things and needing deliveries mm. uh, and sort of door-to-door domestic deliveries then it's inevitable that was going to have been already seen as a market a market trend but it's just got a bit more nuts than they expected yeah well, in our show notes, we're going to have links to the SMMT article that we talked about. There will also be additional SMMT article. There will be an autocar article talking about the transit. And obviously, because it's superb, Tristan Young's thread that gives more meat onto the bones of what's happened in the last year and December. Yeah, and his slicing and dicing of what fuel goes in the car is far more sensible than the SMMT's. You know that's the one we follow, if you listen to us. (laughs) Right, I'm going to take us to Korea and some good news. Well, yes. Uh, Sanyong has been sold to a local consortium in Korea for $255 million. The consortium is led by a company called Edison Motors, which is an EV-only car maker out there. Much to the delight of Mahindra, who have been desperately mm-hmm. trying to find somebody to take their 75% share of Sanyong off them for quite a while now, after they bought that amount up when Sanyong went nearly bankrupt back in 2010. The credit crunch all the way back then. So this hopefully gives some power to Sanyong uh, and drives them forward. I would probably suggest that it's going to be heavily ev centered looking at the consortium <laughs> which is quite interesting given that you know certainly here in the uk one of their major sales is, is pickup trucks mm. one of the few few companies still selling pickup trucks in europe so 
So, yes, that's an interesting one. Yep. So, cool. Next up, Toyota are doing stuff again. Uh, They're taking Johnny, Johnny the Aris model of this is an older vehicle. But you Let's are, update it you with are something updating it and you are refreshing it. And <laughs> how much have Toyota paid you for this idea, by the way? Uh, not enough. Uh, You're not retired yet. <laughs> nothing at all. <laughs> uh, so, yes, uh, Toyota are going to be refreshing ex customer cars at the Burnson plant uh, on the outskirts of Derby. This is part of. The whole Kinto mobility sub-brand thing. We talked about it before in the ability to say, I want to go from this side of Derby to that side of Derby. Tell me how to do it and buy all my tickets in one fell swoop. Yep. But the idea is that this will do two things. Uh, it will, of course, uh, lengthen the, the lifespan of cars, but they reckon it will extend the contact time with customers at least 10 years. Yep. So the first use cycle, the lease contract, go back, be refurbished. And then hopefully the, the the second vehicle as well. So it, it's all but about. That's not the first initiative of trying to lengthen the time that they have contact with a customer with one of their products, though, is it? No, because in the last few years, you, if we remember, there's like the warranty stuff. Yeah, if if I get it, so if I get my the car serviced uh, serviced once a year by a Toyota dealer, then then it gets becomes a ten year warranty. Up mm-hmm. to ten years, isn't it? And and it doesn't matter if you skipped in between times. If you go back to a Toyota dealer, then it'll continue. Yeah, uh, essentially, lots of stuff going on there. I like the idea of that. That that feels like it ties in with uh, Renault's refactory. Yeah, yeah, that's what I was about to say as well. Yes, and I I like that. I like that that this is now. You can see the manufacturers are looking a much more without going to consultancy and day jobby, but they are looking at whole life cycles very, mm-hmm. very heavily. Obviously, they have to make money out of doing this, otherwise they can't do it. So they are looking, they have to tie in, how does that help us with customers and keeping customers? It's not just that. Remember, there are also regulations that the car makers might well end up being liable for cars at end of life. Mm-hmm. So the longer they can defer that liability, the longer they can make the life of the vehicle, then obviously the the less of a onerous overhead that will be on them. And this is one of the ways to stop that happening. Makes the whole uh, the, the software rules that are coming into the UK mm. that they have to maintain software so the car is usable for its lifetime mm-hmm. makes that a lot easier as well. Yes, it does. Yes, because you can upgrade that kind of componentry and stuff. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh, Ferrari next, Andrew. Yeah. If we remember recently, they changed their CEO and they brought in uh, ben, ben, Benedetto Vigna. Thank you. And he came from Europe's largest semiconductor chip factory, mm-hmm. we, which was a bit of a surprise because they'd gone very much tech route rather than appointing from within or appointing from families and on that sort of thing. It's <laughs> a terrible Italian stereotype, Andrew. <laughs> well, that's what Ferrari has done. It has is, it not yes, historically? Yes. Uh, so but he has massively shaken up the company. I think this mm. for me, this is the biggest shake up they've ever had since they yeah, started. Ever since they ever since they branded their first baseball cap, yes. <laughs> There's new departments, there's new staff, there's staff from outside the motoring world uh, and all sorts of things. This, I'm actually, I actually think this is really exciting. I think this is really good. This is what you can do when you're a premium brand 
that is not underneath another bigger brand that has big company thinking. This is them being able to go off and actually be a, a small, uh, independent company. Or a premium brand that isn't absolutely crippled by debt. Well, yes, there is that too. Yes. But I, I am really interested to see what they do here. They've got they've got some, by the sounds of it, some really exciting people in some very key positions. It'll be not that we'll ever know, but I would love to be a fly on the wall to see how these new hires fit in with the culture of Ferrari and Ferrari's mm-hmm. culture changes over time, particularly in things like the purchasing department. They've got the guy they've they've picked someone from the semiconductor chip factory. That'll be interesting how that works, how their thought is then made the culture of purchasing throughout Ferrari. It's really exciting stuff. I mean, if I get getting really nerdy, I think it's really exciting stuff. It is. It genuinely is. If you are interested in businesses, how businesses work and and the like, then then this stuff is genuinely interesting. I say that as somebody who is interested in those things. This is the sign of an awful lot of change at Ferrari. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not all based around, should we have a different hoodie out? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Or, uh, or, Or carbon fiber laptops. Yeah, yeah, abs- <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Do you want to take us to Ford in Europe? Because there's changes there too. Well, yes, uh, changes there in that they have appointed a new general manager for passenger vehicles in Europe, a chap called Martin Sander. Mr. Sander comes from 25 years at Volkswagen, as do most senior automotive people in in Europe. I think. So yes, he comes from 25 years as he's. Europe. He was previously vice senior vice president of European sales at Audi, and he's taking over from uh, Roland Devord and Gunnar Hermann, who both retired last year. And he's going to report directly to Ford of Europe president Stuart Rowley. Yeah, because he's coming in to focus a lot on their electric and connected vehicle business. Now, mm-hmm. this is going to be interesting because the way that the Volkswagen Group, because of where they're based, have to approach connected issues. Yes, is just reading T's and C's is quite different to Ford's. So it'll be interesting to see whether that makes a change. But Ford's headquarters in Europe is in Germany too. Yeah, so it's not a. It's not. A, I, I don't think it, it. From that point of view, it's going to be. But it's, it's a different approach. Massive, I think. I think that there will be a, a, a yes that that sort of American global company approach. I, I think is going to be different and, yeah. and make significant changes to it. Yep. So you have interesting things happening, and <laughs> consulting. Yes. <laughs> Tell me about a former BMW employee, Andrew. Yes, former BMW employee who is who is unnamed in this automotive news yes. Europe article. Uh, unnamed as of the moment, yes, Hmm. has been charged by prosecutors in Munich with 18 counts of commercial corruption and 33 counts of breach of trust at the expense of BMW. There's a joke here about, has he done 25 years of Volkswagen as well? (laughs) Allegedly, to all our lawyers listening. (laughs) We we can't afford to bail out Volkswagen from Dieselgate on that one comment, you know. That that comment was purely made in jest and as a social commentary and is not an opinion of what is of reality. (laughs) So according to the Munich court, the damages to BMW were in the region of 2.7 million euros, 
Mm-hmm. Apparently, the employee received 2.4 million euros in kickbacks between 2007 and 2015 in exchange for awarding consulting contracts. The amazing thing here is the consulting company is now insolvent, <laughs> possibly through paying too much kickbacks over the menu. Yes. They can't have been up to much anyway. No, there are uh, five people being charged in total, um, including, as Alan just pointed out, the managing director of the uh, insolvent consultant firm. He's accused of bribery and aiding and abetting embezzlement. Uh, There are systems in place these days in purchasing departments that should not allow that to happen because of things like this. So this this is quite old historically, but the EU has rules in place for large companies of what they need to do. And if you try to get on board as a new supplier, you have all sorts of hoops to go through to prove that you are not going to bribe someone. You don't uh, You don't follow through with piracy or all mm. with slave labor and stuff like this. All that sort of stuff is all wrapped up in this. So uh, I am shocked that they managed to get away with it for so long. Yes. But then again... I'm not when it's a company of that size. No, no, no. Well, that, that's that's a pittance, really. That's the amount they spend developing a new alloy wheel or something, isn't it, really? Yeah, that'll be pens. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Office stationery. Yep. Anyway, on which happy note, uh, that takes us to the end of the first part. Uh, and that means it's Guild Minute, quick break in the show where we ask for a tad of financial support to keep the lights on and the hosting running. This week, uh, so I've been I've been busy. I've been busy with Pixelmator. Uh, and what I've been doing is I have been looking and I've been revising our merch offering, everyone. Finally, finally, I have actually tried to sort out our Teespring store. I have been through and I have a new, we have a a new design as well as lots of stuff with our logo on from shopping bags to t-shirts and hoodies and things. Then we've got another new design coming out, which is the, which is a rehash of a, what, seven, eight year old meme, I think, (laughs) uh, on the front of it. And it's just, it's a bit silly. It's listing the different, it's listing the sort of different main parts of the Motoring Podcast news show. So a fantastic way to, in a slightly abstract manner, uh, show your support for the Motoring Podcast. Obviously, if you're a patron, you support us monthly, then you get a discount on Zmerch as well. So uh, patrons, there will be emails and patron posts coming up soon to remind you of just how much of a great, awesome, fantastic discount you get for being great, awesome, fantastic supporters of the show. Obviously, we understand that not everyone has spare cash to spend on uh, iPod fabulous Air. Merch. Fabulous iPod Air cases, for example. The fantastic new black mug as well or even a premium long sleeve t-shirt plug pluggy plug 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 <laughs> um the so uh so we under we absolutely understand uh you can help us of course by following subscribing for free from podcast player to receive every show as they're released and by liking and rating the show in whatever way your podcast supplier lets you one last way of course that you can support us is to tell your friends or your colleagues about this fantastic interesting innovative yeah but let's not go too far automotive news news website so thank you to all of you who support us who have supported us in the past we think you rock we do thank you very much that was almost coherent it was not bad 
Not bad. I'm impressed. Right, I'm going to take us to WRC because whilst it was not that long ago since we finished the last season, Monte Carlo is nearly upon us, which I would imagine is making the teams have lots of sleepless nights as they try and get the Rally 1 hybrid vehicles up to speed, whatever speed that is going to be. <laughs> Nobody probably know knows much. There's <laughs> been lots of testing. But we've got a couple of articles, thanks to Rich Gooding for uh, sending me those to remind me that Monte Carlo was coming along. Um, the first one, which will be of interest to everybody, is how the WRC's hybrid boost will work, which is a really interesting article on Dirtfish. And added on top of that, is an opinion piece from David Evans saying that he thinks the 0.3% of electric-only mileage is spot on for the Monte Carlo rally. Sensible for a new thing. Because a few people have been saying, come on, electric-only is going to be that of 900-odd miles. That's not very much. But then it's where that's going to happen. That's the key Mm. thing. This should be interesting. I'm I'm actually really looking forward to this this new season of WRC. I I don't think the FIA have made a great uh, have introduced this potentially at the best time or in the best way. But I'm really interested to see what happens. I th- I th- the feeling I have with it, and I I think a lot of people echo this that I've seen commentate commenting on it, is it's not a massive leap. And it's quite late, especially compared to other motorsports. Yeah, 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 I'll give them that. They did drag their feet a bit. But I think it will be interesting with the new FIA president, because he is a rally chap. Yeah. And he has definite views on rallying. I mean, he's already said that uh, WRC doesn't need winners. was originally a rally chap. Sorry. Jean Todd is responsible at the time for running Peugeot Sport for the 205 T16, the mid-engine 205. Yeah, I suppose, yes, there is, that is true. Yes. I mean, obviously, he spent many, many years doing other things, so that possibly was watered down a bit. But Yeah. You know. Yeah, no, no, you're right. You are right. Yeah. It's not, not but it'd be interesting, this different, the, the different approach that he, he is going to take with it, though. Mm-hmm. So. Sorry, I've just said Monte Carlo's not as glam as Monaco, so I shall just go over in the corner and slap myself about a bit. <laughs> Oh, whilst remembering God. that they are essentially one and the same place. You fool, Alan. <laughs> right. Well, take <sighs> us from there then to uh, to New New Car News and CES. I'm glad you're taking this. Yeah, I know. That's a, Honestly, guys, you're going to hear this. There's a reason I reshuffled the second half of the, of the show to make sure that certain people landed on certain stories. There's not a lot of new new car news right at the minute. By the end of this week, I'm sure there'll be loads and loads of new new car news because it's the Tokyo Auto Show later this week. So I know that probably by the time you listen to this, there'll be some more announcements. And then early, early, early Thursday, I know some of the big guns are, are making their announcements then. Mm-hmm. So lots coming, hence it's bleeding quiet right now. It's either that or everyone going, look at our sales figures for 2021, or justifying why their sales figures are the way they are. Anyway, I'm waffling too much. So uh, the the, uh, CES, fantastic uh, super spreader event uh, in Las Vegas, started last week. And there were two automotive stories that really kept hitting the news, one of which was the Tesla tunnel thing. The other (laughs) one was what was described. (laughs) Oh, God, I've triggered him. Uh, The other one is what's being described as BMW debuting a new color-changing paint technology at CES. 
I just wanted to bring to everyone's attention just what color changing paint meant. Yes, it is e-ink. It is works a bit like a Kindle or one of these, uh, you know, other digital reading devices are available in that it could change from black to white while simulating grayscale in between. Now, the thing is, you might never notice that on a BMW uh, on a BMW SUV because that's what most those are the colors that most of them are ordered in anyway. But so whilst many tech people are going, oh my goodness, it's color changing, it's actually a bit less impressive than than I than did see think. one comment on this saying, oh look, it goes from one non-color to another non-color. <laughs> That's pretty good. It is still very clever to be it able is clever. to do even that. Let's. I let's will be, give it. That's, it's due for that was clever. But it's not as clever as people are necessarily making out. It's it's not that you can you know have a bit of a mullet car with business color at the front and all the fun at the back so gray at the front and purple at the back or anything you get you get dark gray you get kind of almost white and you get tones in between let's let's not be clever but uh, i did get live reaction from people who are not really interested in cars as i am and they were very impressed with it yes so yes, it got a lot of noise for, did the for great us thing. us car geeks it's a bit huh? I mean, I don't, I don't particularly want a car that does that. That's not for me. But they're not aiming that at me. They no, are aiming at the people CES. who don't have a BMW or like a little bit of bling. So yes, yes, they have a. From that a, point of view, it has achieved a lot. It has. I mean, we're talking about it now, and we don't normally talk about these things. But then we're going to stop talking about it now. And uh, there has been a big new new car news this week, which is uh, Stellantis. Yeah, Stellantis has decided that their uh, MPVs, so things like the Citroen Berlingo, the Peugeot Rifter, and the the Vauxhall Combo, are only going to be available as EV options. Mm-hmm. Almost immediately as we speak, happening now. Yes. They will have a hundred and it's about 174 mile range if they do not add a larger battery in their models going forward. Which some of the some I, of the larger ones. Yeah, so so but this sorry, this also does include the midsize MPVs like the Citroen Space Tourer, the um uh Yes, the Peugeot one. <laughs> yeah, that's not right. And the Vauxhall the Vivaro. Per- Peugeot Rifter. Sorry, who uh, who wrote this in Autocar? Uh, I can't see because of the thing. But sorry, Autocar, but you've decided that there's many Rifters. That's confused. Oh, that's me. true. Yes, yes. Sorry, that's yeah, confused me. That. Sorry, guys. And um, anyway, but yeah, so their cars from vans are now going to be electric only. Um, I I understand why they're doing it. They're doing it because of. Uh, and this is not just the UK, this is Europe as well. So this will be CO2 percentage rules that we were talking about in the mm-hmm. new car registration bit. They are needing to work on this quickly to prevent them having to, or to save them money on fines or buying in credits. Yeah. The uh, The thing is, though, I think in this country, certainly, particularly with the the amount of press that talks about infrastructure and stuff like that, I think this will actually do them damage 
on sales. There is an interesting point here where it says business customers outside the EU and those in Switzerland and the Balkans will still be able to buy combustion-powered models. So they're not getting rid of them completely. And the no, because is, also those cars that we are adapted now? for wheelchairs and stuff like yeah. that, they will still be able to buy combustion versions. Mm-hmm. That is That has been promised. What? Just as a quick one, why are we in the classes being in the EU in this one and not... Uh, because we are following the same rules. We've decided oh, to adopt the same rules. Oh, okay. I hope this doesn't hinder, because I, as anyone who follows me or has listened to the show knows, I really like the Bolingo Rifter-sized vehicles, and I think the Rifter was awesome. I haven't tried the Bolingo anything. So I, I hope this doesn't hinder their sales, but I fear it might because 174 miles, just psychologically people seem to have a problem with that. And yes, combined with all the negative news there is about the infrastructure, particularly as we've got that 2030 date, no one's putting good news of, oh, we're going to easily smash it. You know, it's all, oh, we're going to struggle to hit 2030. So uh, I wonder, I mean, these are these are great vehicles that worked really well as combustion engine vehicles. Maybe a, a hybrid start <laughs> would have been better. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's see what happens. This is something which I think could change very quickly. Yeah. Um, so just just watch what can be squeezed into one of those. That I'm well, sure there are, a, there are a lot of engineers across Europe standing there poking at things and hitting it with hammers to see what's, what's going to fit where. So that doesn't surprise me. A bigger battery takes it well over 200 miles and suddenly it's a different story and then isn't you sorted. It? Yeah, you yeah. sorted at that point. Absolutely yep. sorted. Do you want to take us to a lunchtime? Watch? Yes, I've quite a quite a lot of good media out at the moment uh, on 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 the YouTubes and stuff. Uh, so we're going to cover two of them this week. Evo Car of the Year video is out. They went back to Scotland with uh eight uh performance cars to find out which one was what what they felt was best, really. And there's a 34-minute beautifully produced video on YouTube. There'll be a link in the show notes, and you can find out just which did best. The BMW M3 competition, the Honda Civic Type R Limited Edition, the M5 CS, the Lamborghini Huracan STO, the Ferrari SF90 Stradale, the Hyundai i20N, yay, the Porsche 911 GT3 Touring, and the Aston Martin Vantage F1 Edition. So lots of choice there. You know Lamborghini messed up. A bit of a spoiler alert to anyone watching. Because they didn't what, send they it didn't Motoring, send podcast, it Motoring colors. podcast colors. Yeah, I could see that coming. Yes. I mean, it's it's guaranteed an extra 10 mile an hour. It's guaranteed many more horsepowers. I mean, mm-hmm. technically that may not be true actually in real life, but... No, not at all. Yes. You'd feel it. You're sure you'd feel it in the seat. <laughs> <sighs> right. Do you want to make me... It's made me feel really old, despite the fact that I'm not as old as this. But yeah, a great uh, list of the week from Haggerty from 50 years ago. And I can't believe that some of these are 50 years old. Yes, I know. I know 50 years ago, but would you say no to any of them? <laughs> mm, I might tweak some of them. <laughs> no, is the answer. No, I wouldn't. I would have any of those. Okay, so of the list of the week is 1972 birthed a new angle for Italian sports cars. So it's talking about how in 1972 there was suddenly a lot of pointy, straight-lined vehicles. And there is a number here on, on the list from Haggerty. So, Alan, is there any one, and only you're going to pick only this time? Yeah, it's uh, a very short list. Yeah, it's a good list, but it's short. It's 
so it's such high quality. Mine from these, ooh, I'd possibly prefer the Bora, but actually the Maserati Merak is the one that I would have. Okay. From those. I, I to be honest, I'd have any and all of them. They are all gorgeous, gorgeous. The only thing I'd want with the last one is a change of headlights. Other than that, I think it's fabulous. Oh, right. Yes. Yes, it, it is rather But this, this did originate from the US, this list. So that explains mm. things a little bit, I think. It does, a, it does a little bit, yes, despite the fact that that's still, still, still a UK car that's been photographed there. But yeah, yeah, wonderful stuff. Really, really good list. Do have a click through and, and have a bit more of a read of that. Yep. Do you want to take us to the and finally? And finally, I've already tweeted about this, so it was coming up. It was almost a lunchtime read, at lunchtime watch uh, this week, and that's one of my favourite uh, YouTubeists um, called the Tim Traveller. He goes around visiting many interesting places across and around Europe. Although it's been very because he's Paris based, he's British, but he's Paris based. Uh, there have been quite a lot of France just over the course of the last eighteen months. I can't imagine why. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and quite a lot of Paris videos as well. But this time he made his way up to Reims in the north of France and he went to and he's been and visited the Circuit de Reims Gueux. So, uh, sorry, you need a cough sweet there. Yes, or, yes. You, you okay? <laughs> Says the Neanderthal on this side of the microphone. <laughs> yeah. It's it's a great little video. He's he's not really a driver. So I was a bit worried and a bit a little bit nervous what this was going to be like, but it's really good. Interviews the president of uh, the the friends of Ramsgur talks about how it actually survived, mm. what it was that meant it survived, which I, I hadn't realised. So lots of history there, lots of stuff I learned to a learn. lot in this video. I learned exactly yeah, I learned so much. Really it's excellent. It's, it's all of his videos are excellent. You should. People should really subscribe to him because he's so interesting. I, I've never watched any of his videos, so this is my first video to watch through. Uh, I, I was really impressed. It was, it was great presentation. If you've not watched it before, really engaging style, and it's, it's very natural. I mean, he must he's done obviously lots of these now, so he's very mm. comfortable in what he's doing. But there was there was such a lot of information that came out of it, but not done in a very. It was, was not dull in any way. It was really well no, presented. Lots Excellent of strange, choice. Lots, lots of strange ones. His last two, by the way, have been almost made it onto motor and podcast but not really been justified that they could actually be valid content for us in that they're all about uh the aero train oh, okay which some of us are quite nerdy about as rich gooding being being one of those people uh so so yes yeah, so about aero train aero train practices two of those were the last two lots of fun stuff like that but this one on Ransker was really supremely good and and even better than i was i was hoping it was it was going to be You've all seen it. I've posted plenty of pictures from there. Um, it's it's an awesome, amazing place. You're passing over Fran uh, passing through northern France. Then, if you listen to the motoring podcast, you're probably going to have made a point of visiting at some point. Mm -hmm. And I think that sums it up for this week. I think so, doesn't it? What else? Salvage Hunters Classic Cars episode uh, series still on, still out there. Uh, that episode two tomorrow. So two or six. Yeah, the Lost Esprit was last week. So this one that was is... a very good episode. Very good. Oh, they're all like that. I mean, apart apart from the end result, but it was really interesting the history side of things. It was really lovely the way that Lotus got involved themselves uh, and got involved in that program and helped out with the providence of the car. 
here's the thing this series they're pretty much all like that so it's one oh, car cool. per sh- one car per show uh, all f- there were only five in the series but one car per show far more in depth than, than early ones it's, it's quite interesting actually how the premise of salvage hunters classic cars hasn't really changed since the first series but the style and the way it works has, has, has evolved mm. uh, there um so really cool yes special editions didn't for various reasons we didn't quite get to it last week yep sorry but we will get to it tomorrow fingers crossed <laughs> yes Yes. Uh, as as far as our own personal spheres of control uh, work, then then we will get to it tomorrow. I yes. think that, that's a fair statement. I think that is accurate. Yes, sir. Awesome. Brilliant. So, everyone, don't forget, between now and next week, you can give us any feedback. Share your thoughts with the show at Motoring Podcast on Twitter and Instagram, on Facebook, and on the contact page of motoringpodcast.com, the hub of all our activities. Remember, you can support us financially via Patreon. Uh, and please leave a review and rating on Apple Podcasts or however your podcast app lets you do such a thing. Andrew, what's the best way to get in touch with you? Best way to get in touch with me is via Twitter. If you search for Crack Windscreen, you should find me there. And Alan, if people would like to get in touch with you personally, say maybe a major manufacturer who wants to know more about remanufacturing existing vehicles, what's the best way for them to do that personally? Uh, best way to do that is, as always, via Twitter, where I'm at AJP Bradley. That's B R A D L E Y. Uh, we will be back, as I said, very soon. But until then, I've been Alan Bradley. I've been Andrew Clues. And safe motoring.